1 Corinthians chapter 6. Going to read here this morning a few scriptures. And uh, I'm just thankful again for the word of the Lord and the Holy Ghost this morning. Um, And I'm going to read one other scripture that has been in my spirit for about a week. It's not made a whole lot of sense to me. But maybe it'll make sense to us today. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 6. And then I want you to mark in your Bible Psalm 63. Psalm 63. If you'll stand with me this morning, let's honor the reading of God's Word. Amen. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. I want to read a few verses down to 11 here, okay? Verse 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Somebody say, be not deceived. deceived. Okay. We live in a deceptive world right now, okay? We're going to look to this in a minute. But what did the Word of God just say? Three words. Be what? Not deceived. What does the word deceived mean? Don't be fooled. All right? Don't be fooled by what I'm fixing to read you. Okay? Are you hearing me? If you hear me, shake your head yes. All right. All right. We're in this together, right? We're not at home asleep. We're at church. Hallelujah. Amen. Be not deceived. Amen? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Now, if I just made you mad right there because I just messed up your sinful party, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad with me because I didn't say Jared said these things. The word of the Lord said these things, okay? And the word of the Lord said, be not deceived. So don't think, here's what I'm saying and here's what the word is saying. Don't think that you can live in these and go to heaven because you can't. That's what he's saying, okay? Listen to this. I love this verse. And such were some of you. So what is he saying? You don't have to live that way either. He was talking to the church at Corinth. You think GFCC's bad? You should have went to that church. (laughs) Amen. The church at Corinth was a mess. We say things are messy now in the church. Look at everything Paul addressed at the church at Corinth. (laughs) Man, it'll make some people blush if you got real with it. Amen. A lot of things we don't want to talk about. And we don't want to talk about church discipline. Paul said, turn them over to the hands of Satan. Oh, boy, if you turn all about Satan and turning somebody over to that, you sure don't love people, do you? (laughs) Because you deal with sin and you have to address sin have to address these things. Listen, I got to be more concerned about the eternity of your life. Amen? 
Listen to me. Don't fear me, but fear the one that can throw your soul into hell. That's what the Bible says. It says fear that one that can cast your soul into hell. Amen? And such were some of you. How many of you has been an adulterer before? <laughs> How many of you has been a covetous before? Amen? How many of you has been a, a drunkard before, an idolater before? Amen? But how many of you can rejoice today and say, I was that, but I'm not anymore. Amen. I rejoice in that. And such were some of you, but, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. So there's hope today. Amen. I said there's hope today. Hallelujah. I celebrated 17 years yesterday. I was every one of them, plus more. Amen. Amen. I was one of them, but I'm not today. Hallelujah. So be not deceived. Be not deceived. Amen. Psalm 63. I'm just going to read all of this psalm if you don't mind. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. Does that sound like today? <laughs> to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied with the marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice." My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Listen to this. But those that seek my soul, say everybody's not on my side. <laughs> everybody's not on the church's side. Everybody's not on GFCC's side. Just because you're thirsty for more of God in a dry land don't mean everybody is. How many of you know there's an enemy to your soul? There's an enemy to the Spirit of God that is within you. There's an enemy to the gifts of God that is within you. And there's times that, yeah, it is Satan, but there's times that there's people too that are using the hands of Satan. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go in the lower parts of the earth. That is hell. Listen to this. This scripture has been in my spirit a week. They shall fall by the sword, and they shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I need clarity. I need the Holy Ghost anointing upon my life today. Jesus, I just pray that you would deal with all of our lives today. 
As Brother David said, John Perry said, today could be the day of the rapture or repentance and revival. I thank you for repentance that began in marriage class. Thank you, Lord, for the way you dealt deep with hearts, heaviness, and burdens. Lord, let it carry on in this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. I titled this message today, A Reversal of Roles. A reversal of roles. I believe that there is a reason that, that I may not get really excited today. This may not be just an exciting message. Because when you are serious about the topic of hell, you have to be very gracious. But my heart is very heavy and very burdened today. And the Lord told me this week, he said, you'll preach on hell this Sunday morning. You'll preach on hell this Sunday morning. And then the Holy Ghost spoke. And the Holy Ghost spoke and said, I have done what I could to redeem you, to keep you from hell. What did the word say? What does the word do? The word is given to us to put barriers and boundaries in place so that we may know the truth and that we may become born again so that we don't spend an eternity separated from God and in hell. And so what does Paul say in the letter to the church of Corinth? He says, be not deceived that these people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. John 3, 3, Nicodemus asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. We must be born again. You say, what is born again, pastor? I can promise you what you did at three years old that you don't even remember or recall but you've lived like hell ever since that day, that is not a born-again experience. I got born again September 19th of 2003, but I got born again this morning too. Amen. How did you say, what do you mean, Pastor, you got born again today? Because I repented. Amen. I'm convicted. And so there are things in my life, problems in my life, barriers in my life, things in my life that God does not want to be in my life. And so what do I have to do? I have to repent of those things and those places in my life. And so if I or you are trying to live off something that happened 17 years ago, then folks, you better wake up and realize that this walk of being born again is an experience, not a one-time decision. Amen. I thank God that I got born again and I made a decision but I had to make a decision when I woke up this morning also does that mean that I got to get saved every day no 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 that's not what I'm saying church member I'm not saying you got to get right and you got to get born again and get born again 57 times that ain't at all what I'm saying there's a walk in the grace of God that you know you're right with God you know you're born again but you're thankful every morning that you wake up that you get to say yes to the Lord because if it was up to us None of us would say yes to the Lord because we like saying yes to the flesh. We all do. We all do. And so what is Paul saying? He's saying, be not deceived. 
You can't live as a fornicator. You can't live as unrighteous. You can't live as an idolater and, and, and inherit the kingdom of God. Is that not what he said? The word is black or white. I'm not being ugly this morning. I'm not trying to get in your party. I'm not trying to mess up your life. I'm trying to spare your life from hell. I'm telling you, church, this morning, I'm telling you if any of these things has got you called up, sidetracked, wavered, I'm telling you, be not deceived. Be not deceived. You say, what is unrighteous? Unrighteous means sinful. One who deals fraudulently with others. What is a fornicator? It is a male prostitute, a man who indulges in unlawful sexual intercourse, or a woman. What is an idolater, a worshiper of false gods, little g? What does the Bible say? In the last days, people will what? Be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. If things are taking more of your attention away from being faithful to the house of God, you're an idolater and you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you, church, hear me this morning. This should ignite something in all of us. Jesus is not coming back for a wayward bride. Jesus is not coming back for a harlot, a hooker, or a prostitute. He's coming back for a bride that has prepared herself and made herself ready and that is not an idolater and has all these things in between her and the bridegroom. I promise you, church, I promise you. An idolater is a man or a woman who worships mammon, money. An adulterer, listen to this. How many of you thought adulterers was only a man or a woman that committed adultery on husband or wife. (laughs) Let me tell you what the Greek word means. A faithless person towards God. It mentions nothing about sexual intercourse with somebody else. This word adulterer says a faithless person towards God that has become apostate. That's an adulterer. What do you mean? Well, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. And so if you're an idolater, if you have things and you worship other gods, you think it's okay, well, I'm just going to cheat on my wife just one time. You think she's okay with that? No. You think, Brother Scott, are you okay with that? If Monty came on and said, well, we're just going to let the little bit in the way. No. It messes everything up. Am I right? That messes everything up. So do you think Jesus is okay with just a little bit in between you and him? A faithless person towards God. But yet we want to act like that everything is okay, whatever comes up in the middle of a Sunday. If I don't feel like going to church because this is more important, you're an adulterer. You're faithless towards God. And whenever these things begin to happen, we get lethargic in our walk with God And we can become apostate. Are you hearing me? I'm just telling you what the word said. I wanted to make sure, so I just wrote all of these down and said, I'm going to look up the Greek meaning, the root word of all of these words. Because some things you may think that you know when you really, you don't know nothing. And I didn't know nothing. So I just started looking them up. An adulteress mentioned nothing about cheating on husband or wife. But it had everything in this context to be cheating on Jesus. And if you've been cheating on Jesus, then we need to repent. He's not going to be married to a harlot. He's not. Effeminate, I guess is that how you say that? Effeminate. Homosexual relations. 
can also mean pedophilia. Have you ever heard so much going on right now? <laughs> I said, you ever heard so much nonsense going on in the world as you do right now? Every time you turn around, every time you turn around, somebody you know, right in our own community. I'm not talking about New York City and L.A. I'm talking about Bonifay, Florida. Everywhere. 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 You got to constantly watch and look. It's crazy times that we live in. Here's what the Word says. I'm just telling you what the Word of God is saying here. You think I just wanted to just, you think I just went to studying on all this and just excited to come preach this this morning? I didn't. Listen to this. Abusers of self. Abusers of themselves with mankind. That means sodomites. What perversion. You know what Paul is saying? He knew the state. God knew the state that this world would be in. He knew. I don't care what the devil tells you. If you're struggling with homosexual tendencies, you weren't born that way. Let me just give you a little hint. We're all born sinners. We're all born sinners. You know, so people say, I was born that way. We're all born in sin. Amen. But it depends on, are you going to let that sin shape you or are you going to let the Spirit shape you? Amen. I said, we're all born in sin, so we could all say, well, I was born that way. You're right. We're all born in sin, but the sin don't have to shape my life. Let the Spirit shape my life. Amen. Covetous, thieves. Listen to this. A covetous person is one eager to have more. I'm not content with what I've got. I always got to have something more. And whenever I want something more, that means I got to work more to pay for the want that I want. And so why is Paul saying you become covetous? Because he knows that you got to work more and that if you work more, then you're going to have more that you got to pay for. And so what is that going to do? That's going to get my tithes and offerings because I can't afford to pay tithes and offerings when God's saying, you know what, there's a church in Africa that I want you to get on board for and help build. There's a people that their house just burnt down, but we can't have enough gumption to raise $1,200 to give these folks that their house burnt down because I'm too tied up with everything else in my life. Why? It wasn't because, oh, we say, oh, God, God sure has blessed me and we get the blessings of God and covetous all mixed up. Let me tell you something. If it puts you in a bind and cause bondages to be on your life, it's not a blessing from God. Amen. I'm telling you, if it's causing you to get to a place in your life where you can't be faithful to tithe and when something comes up that you can't give a little bit more, then you got to ask yourself, is that the true blessings of God or my covetousness and always just want more and when I want more, I get more and then I'll stamp God's name of approval on that and put it on Facebook and social media and Instagram and everywhere else and say, look at the blessings of God in my life when you can't even pay for what you got. Amen. Is that right? Especially, listen to this, especially what belongs to others. (laughs) Always want what somebody else has. Anybody ever been there? 
I want what they got. What is your saying, Brother Chris? Want to compete with the Joneses? Who's the Joneses? <laughs> he may not have his notes right there, but <laughs> I love his story about the Joneses that he's got. Get with him. Let him text it to you. Amen. <laughs> the Joneses are miserable, aren't they? <laughs> Amen. I'm getting into his money class. Listen to this. Covetous means greedy of gain. And then it means this, to have is to hold. What I have is mine, and you're not getting it. To have is to hold. That's a covetous person. Uh, I got it, but I ain't giving it there. I got it. I have it. But when you hold on to it and don't give it to the Lord, then you're a covetous person. I'm just telling you what the Word said and what I looked up. Now, I encourage you to get the, get the Blue Letter Bible app, and you can look at the Strong's Greek words of that, all right? I ain't trying to get your money. That's between you and God. Amen. I don't need yours. Amen. Amen. I don't, I, that ain't what I'm here to do this morning. I am here to help us all, I hope. Amen. Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Revilers, that means mischief. Extortioners. It means a robber or one to carry off by force. What does the Bible say? If you carry off your tithes and offerings, what does it, the Bible call you? A robber, a thief, and a robber. Amen. So here's the thing. We just looked at every one of them. But the Bible says, be not deceived and think that any of that is okay. It's not okay. And Paul is saying, be not deceived. But here's what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. We live in a messed up world. Y'all know it? Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 5. Let me find my place here. Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So some of you may be sitting here today and say, well, I'm wiser than him. He can say whatever he wants to say, but I'm not listening. That's fine with me. I'm not trying to one-up you. Amen? I promise you I'm not. I'm not, but I'm telling you the Word of God said, woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. Amen? Is that not what the Scripture said? What is Paul saying in the, in the New Testament? He said, be not deceived. He said, you cannot replace any of these sins that I just called out. You cannot reverse the roles and say that it's okay. You see what the enemy has tried to do? Why do you think that the prophet Isaiah knew that this day would come, that we're living in a time where we put stamps of approval and we've traded the rainbow for a homosexual flag? You think that's okay, but the world has put a stamp of approval of a covenant for a curse? I'm telling you, God has put a covenant in the sky of a rainbow and now the world wants to put a stamp of it on a, on a rainbow flag and it's a curse? I'm telling you. I said, I'm telling you it's a curse. If there's anybody 
somebody under the sound of my voice. You're struggling with homosexuality. I believe that the blood saves. I believe that the blood delivers. And I'm here today to tell you that he's come to set you free. I'm telling you, I don't care what's held you back, held on. I'm telling you, it's not right. But I'm telling you, the blood is enough to save and deliver today. I believe we're about to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Not only are we going to see the drug addict and the drunkard and the prostitute off the street, I believe homosexuals are about to be called out. And the Holy Ghost of God is going to go to that place, the place where they've been lied to, the place they've been abused and abandoned and aborted, the call and the plan and the purpose of God. I believe they're going to be worship leaders. They're going to be pastors. They're going to be missionaries and evangelists. Somebody shout glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, church, it's not right. It's a curse, but I'm telling you what God said. It's a covenant. You can't exchange the two. You can't exchange God's covenant for a worldly curse. I'm telling you, it's demonic. We need to fast and we need to pray and we need to believe God to bring release because I'm telling you, there's no bondage greater. There's no bondage greater. I'm telling you, there's nothing that defies the heart of God any more stronger than that. But we live in a world that is so perverted that call everything. You know what? We're, we're the evil ones today. <laughs> the church, we're the evil ones today. The Pentecostal church, even to the church, we're the evil ones today because we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. We're evil to everybody else. We're the devil to everybody else. But what did the prophet say? Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. Woe. Listen to me. If these things are in us and it is in all of us to bargain with God. It's in all of us to bargain with God. It's in all of us to have and to withhold. <laughs> Amen. It's in all of us. It's in all of us to just get faithless with God. It's in all of us to slack off a little bit. We can't sit here and say it's not in every one of us because it is. I'm not preaching down to anybody. I'm telling you it's in all of us. Every sinful place that I just read is in every one of us. Amen. You can't say you've never had them wicked thoughts. I didn't say you thought them, but you can't tell me the devil's never come at you and put them things in your mind. Don't look at me and act like you're goody two-shoes and you've never been tempted and bombarded by hell. You can't tell me that they haven't because I'm telling you, I know how the devil works and I know that if there's anything he can get in your mind, then I promise you that's what he'll do. And I'm telling you, the prophet Isaiah knew that we would come into a time and a day where even the very elect could be deceived and the very elect full of the Holy Ghost, the church of Jesus Christ standing in the very end that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Even the prophet Isaiah knew there would come a time and a day that we would begin to try to bargain with God and that we like to do that is wrong, that we'll try to put a stamp of approval and call it good. Every one of us, brother, it's in all of us to do. None of us can say we can't. And because you may know somebody here in this church this morning in some sin 
or you may know they got some family member in sin and you want to sit there all appalled and act like you would never do that and your kids are beyond that and above that. You better wake up and find a place in this altar today because you make bargains with God too and you want to call evil good and good evil. Church, it's time you and I find a place and an altar to repent and we got to quit passing it off on somebody else. It's up to you and I to wake up in this house. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. I said it's in all of us and it's time that the church of God would recognize and be awakened in the Holy Ghost and get sensitive to the things of God and realize we all got a bargain in us. Every one of us. Let me tell you, if your kids aren't, you better thank God and say it's only by grace they're not. It's only by grace they're not. We got babies to look over. Babies being born. Babies about to be born. I said, we got a generation coming. Amen. We got a generation coming. I'm telling you, church, this last day revival, it's not going to look like what you think. (laughs) While the church, the elect, is over here bargaining with God, (laughs) whether too legalistic. No, call me what you want to call me. I'm telling you what the Word says. I'm telling you what the word says. And you preach truth and grace. I'm telling you, if you have one without the other, then you got a death sentence either way. You got a death sentence either way. You preach all grace, you got a death sentence. You preach all truth, you got a death sentence. I'm telling you, Jesus is grace and truth. He's the fullness of everything. He's Christ. He's Christ. But I'm telling you this morning, church, this revival, I'm telling you, it ain't going to look like what you think it's going to look like. While the church, the very elect, is over here arguing about what's right and what's wrong, God's going to be saving homosexuals. Prostitutes are going to be coming in off the street, and you're going to be sitting back there arguing over what's going on. Well, they can't be used of God. Well, they were just in homosexuality yesterday, and now they're repenting. They got purple hair, pink hair, and the church is over there. I said, the church of God over there arguing about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's not. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost of God is moving right in our midst. He ain't saying the world's going to argue about them things, brother. That ain't what he's saying. The church is so fouled up. Baptist against Pentecostal. Method against Baptist. The Pope against Christ. My God, get your eyes off man, all of us. I never look to the Pope. I don't have to. I look to Christ. Ain't no man ever stood in the middle of me and Christ for the, for the repentance of my sins. Ain't no man. Jesus stood in between me and the Father. And if I'm going to get to him, then i got to come through that blood, brother. Ain't no other way but to walk through that cross. I'm telling you, not just come to it. You better get through it. And when you get to the other side, people's going to know because there's going to be blood on my head. There's going to be blood on my feet. And where I walk, there's going to be footprints of blood. I'm telling you, you got to walk through that cross. If you're going to get to the Father, brother, you're going to have to come through the cross of Calvary. And everybody is going to know. You're going to be drenched in blood. You're going to be drenched in oil. You're going to have a cross that you got to bear. And it's nobody else's cross, but it is yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't shake it off. 
I told God last night, I said, I don't want this cross. I did. I told him. I said, I don't want it. Tired. Two in the morning, I couldn't rest. I was so troubled. I was like, get it off. Anybody ever fought with that? I get it off. It hurts. It's heavy. But God knows I'm thankful that He knows my heart. Because deep down I know I gotta have it. The Father knew Jesus' heart, even though he begged him three times, take it. Jesus knew Paul's heart, even though he begged him three times, take it. He knew. He knew. Jesus knew Peter's heart when he denied him three times. He said, I'm still going to use him because my word that I released over him is true. And so Jesus came back to him. Amen. Because every time Peter said, I deny him, I don't know him, I don't know him, he was pronouncing a curse over his life. And that's why Jesus had to renew him three times because he had to break all three times that he cursed him. And so we can't get frustrated with the grace of God. He's just renewing. He's renewing every time we've rejected him. Some of you's renounced him. Some of you have. You can't say you hadn't. I'm telling you, I'd like to say I love Jesus with all of my heart. But there's been times I said, Lord, I don't know. If I could choose another way out, show me. I might take it. But then it shows the reality of what I choose. If I choose that way, where I'll go. I understand if you lose respect for me, I'm fine with that. I'm just telling you real life. I'm just telling you reality this morning. And you know what scares me? I don't think it's going to get any better. Jonathan Paris say we ain't seen warfare yet. Seen warfare. I say, God, how much more can we take sometimes, Luke? Which way we turn? Stuff. Lord, is there another way? No. Just that way. God, if we go that way, you better help me. Lord, if I'm going to carry this cross, you better help me. If this is my cup and it's not going to pass from me, you better send an angel to help me too. God's faithful to do it. He's faithful to do it. Hear me this morning. This prophet, he was crying out. and He said, woe to them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You can't exchange the blood for anything else. You can't exchange Holy Ghost baptism for anything else. You can't exchange that. You can't, you can't exchange. I'm telling you, programs can never replace power. Amen. Programs can never replace power. I'm telling you they can't. 
I don't care if you got a program for every age group, every senior, every child, every toddler. I don't care if you have the best people in the world and the most prettiest kids church sanctuary. You church sanctuary, you got lights, you got smoke. None of that replaces the power of God. None of it. But yet that's how we choose. That's how we build our churches. To appeal to the world. And nothing has to change because there's no power. But I develop all these programs. And we wonder why the church will begin to compromise. And why we begin to say, well, if, if, if you live in this kind of lifestyle, then it's okay. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But that is not what Paul just said. He said, be not deceived. You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So here's what the Bible says. It says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And if your right foot causes you to sin, what? Then cut it off. Because it'd be better for you to enter heaven maimed than it is to enter hell whole. I'm just telling you what the Word says. So some of us, under the sound of we want to sit here and act like we're okay, but some of our right hand, why did he say right hand? Because right hand's the hand of authority. Amen. I said the right hand's the hand of authority. Amen. That's the right hand of strength. Ben-Oni was named Benjamin, the son of my right hand, which means the son of my strength. And so that right hand, the right hand was withered in the man of the New Testament. And so what is he saying? Cut off that right hand. If the hand of strength, the hand of ministry is now causing you to sin, then you better cut it off. But I'm telling you, I said I'm telling you this morning, church, we must be very careful because a little pain on this earth is going to be a whole lot better than an eternity being separated from God and burning in hell forever. If you're right eye, what have you been looking at? What's on your telephones, young people? What's on your telephones? I see guilty consciences all in this house this morning. I'm telling you, hell fought me to get here. I, I told them a while ago, I don't even know if I can go in there and preach, didn't I? I said, but I got to. Amen. There's no other option. You came to eat food, and just because hell's fighting me don't mean that I don't get to, be, get to be the one to feed it. I'm telling you, if it was up to me, I wouldn't. But it ain't up to me. It's up to him. I said, it's up to him. I promise you it's up to him. What are you looking at? What's on our telephones? Who's locked out? Who's hit? Husbands and wives, what are we looking at? What are we doing? Who do we talk to when nobody else is around? Is our right eye causing us to sin? Pluck it out. Where's your feet taking you to walk? Where have you been walking? I promise you people will notice if you got a right foot cut off. Why is that foot cut off? Because I didn't want to die and go to hell. I kept walking and ended up in places I knew I wasn't supposed to be. I kept touching things that I wasn't supposed to be touching. And I kept looking at things that I wasn't supposed to look at. I'd much rather somebody look at me like this. Amen. Amen. Then I had to end up in hell and live eternity separated from God burning where the worm dieth not, where there's a bottomless pit. You ever had a dream and you felt like you were falling and you just didn't know and you woke up all of a sudden well can I tell you there is no bottom in hell and you know that dream this torment where you fall and you fall and you fall and you're afraid let me tell you hell is an eternity where the worm dies not and you're on fire and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth people are growling people are angry people are mad people are mean I'm telling you their teeth are just back and forth you like people growling in their teeth 
You like that? Anybody like that? When somebody grinds their teeth, how many of you just, it just goes all over you? Imagine hell. Imagine millions and millions and millions of mamas and daddies and babies crying for their, oh, I wish my mama had told me the truth. And they're just crying for mama and they're crying for daddy. And there's a constant fall. There's a constant bottomless pit. People screaming out, help me, help me. Just as the rich man, the Bible said, was crying. He said, Lazarus, will you just lick your tongue, your finger and dip it in me? He said, it's so high. He said, I can't can't leave this place. The worm dies not. So you're not going to die either. You're already dead. We're already dead. We're already dead. That soul, he said, you better fear the one that can throw your soul in hell. What is the soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That is what the soul is made up of. So that tells me your mind is going to know what's in hell. That means that my will, oh, remember when I was in Gethsemane and I had the opportunity to choose God's will or my will? You remember in that church service at GFCC that Sunday morning? Whenever God brought me to a place in my life and I said, God, take this cup. I don't want to do that. Remember that time when that pastor was talking to me, but I wanted to keep having and living an adulterous relationship. I wanted to keep being a homosexual. I wanted to keep looking at pornography on my phone. I wanted to keep drinking. I wanted to keep smoking. I wanted to keep sinning. I just wasn't ready to give it all to God. And then you died. You're going to be reminded of everything because first you're going to stand before the king on the judgment seat. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say, remember, Remember that day? Remember how many times the grace of God's come and he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I'm telling you, he's going to have to cast your soul into hell. Your mind's going to be reminded. You're going to feel. Your will is going to know. And you're going to be brought back to the times when God brought you to the place where you begged God, take this from me. But you wanted to keep serving yourself because you like your sin and you like feeding your flesh and you didn't really think that hell was a real place and you just thought, Oh, Jared Jenkins was just preaching down at you and he didn't love you and he didn't care about you. I care about you enough today to tell you that hell is a real place and the worm dies not and the soul will live there. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, you're going to feel hell. You're going to feel fire. You're going to feel the drop of the bottomless pit. You're going to hear weeping and gnashing. You're going to hear children that cry for mom and daddy. You're going to hear mom and daddies that are going to know their children are in heaven as the daddies in hell as the mamas in hell daddies didn't want to be men they wanted to sit back in the back watch NFL on Sunday morning instead of rising up being men and women of God daddies, mamas, good people millionaires, bankers are going to be in hell be not deceived Preachers are going to be in hell. Millionaires are going to be in hell. Deacons are going to be in hell. Tithers are going to be in hell. People that's here this morning in GFCC, if we don't repent and get right, people under the sound of my voice and that ever watch this, if we don't repent and get right, can end up in hell. You think you're too proud 
too proud to end up in hell? You think you're good enough not to end up in hell? Hell's full of great people. That jail in Holmes County is full of great people. They're not bad people. This sweet girl right here told me, she said people in them strip clubs, she said, they're not bad people, Pastor. I said, Tori, I never said they were. I used to live in them strip clubs. I never, I never, I never said they were bad people. Those are my people because that's where I used to live. Those are my people. That's who I am. That's where I'd be at today if I wasn't washed in the blood. I'd be right there. I promise you. I'd be right there. I wouldn't be on this end of things. I'd be right there cheering you on. I'm telling you, it's only by the grace of God that I'm not in hell. You were too. We all were. It's in all of us. It's in all of us. I'm not mad at you. I love you. And I promise you this is why I didn't know who would be here. But God did. The devil did too. The devil did. I didn't know if I'd make it in here. Had it not been for my team. Some other people that got real in marriage class. Chris and Dom, sometimes you feel all alone. I said, Lord, I'm just fixing to expose me. I'm just going to expose my life. It's all I know to do because Jesus is our only refuge. There ain't nothing good in me. Well, I don't want you to think there is. Make you think I'm somebody. I'm not. I'm telling you, we're all end up in hell if we don't repent and get right with God. And if we're, none of us are born again. Now listen to me. Roles are reversed. Everything that I just said about hell. It's not for us. Hell's not for us. Now I hope what I just said in the Holy Ghost was enough to stir us and wake us because it's a real place. And if we don't repent and get right, that's where we'll go. But let me tell you something about hell. It's not for us. I said it was never for us. God didn't look at Scott Mitchell one day and say, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to make hell for Scott Mitchell. I see David Bryant, Chris, Chris Harrison. I didn't see John Wayne Searcy, Mandy and Dominique and Chase, all these people that deserve hell. Jesus didn't look at our lives and say, I'm gonna stir this fire up. I'm gonna cast Satan out and a third of the angels are gonna go with him and I'm just gonna stir hell up so I'll have a place to send people that are bad. I don't think you just heard me because <laughs> we're all bad. But Jesus didn't look at all of our lives and say, well, I'm sick and tired of human beings because they're all bad. I'm going to throw them all in hell. <laughs> that ain't what he said. What did he say, Monty? You got it in your word. I thought you turned there. <laughs> she just took the preaching right out of my mouth. 
Hallelujah. Hell was not created for you and I. Hell wasn't created for bad people. Hell wasn't created for homosexual people. Hell wasn't created for drug addicts, prostitutes, adulterers, fornicators, drunkards. Hell wasn't created for none of them. I, didn't, I said, they just, he didn't say nothing about they're going to hell. He said they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he said. The only other option of that is hell. But he didn't say, oh, bad people's going to hell. Bad people's going to hell. He said, no, no, no. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You must be born again of the water and of the spirit. But the word of God plainly says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. And what was it created for the devil and his angels? Because the devil thought that he was better than God, bigger than God, and going to do more than God. And he rose against God in heaven. And so what did the Lord do? He cast him out of heaven and a third of the angels went with him. He said, so I'm going to show them. I'm going to develop a place called hell where the worm dies not. It's a bottomless pit. There's going to be fire going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where they're headed. So hell wasn't for us. Hell's not for bad people. And guess what? Heaven's not for good people. (laughs) Hell's not for bad people and heaven's not for good people. Hell's for lost people and heaven's for saved people. (laughs) And if you're saved, you were bad before you were saved. So all I know is that heaven is a place where bad people were made right with God, were washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when we stood before him, he said, well done thy good and faithful servant. And now we get to sit around the throne of the Lamb and we get to offer and we get to cast our crowns down. But I'm telling you, if anybody does anything for God, you can't take credit for it. I'm telling you, we all deserve hell. But God said, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to send my son Jesus. And let me tell you what Jesus saw. He didn't look upon our sin and say, I'm going to develop hell. No, no, no. I'll tell you what the Father did. He saw all of our sinful ways. He saw all of our drug addictions. He saw all of our homosexual ways, all of our perversion, all of our addictions, all of our nastiness, all of our filth. He saw all of our sexual sins. He saw all of our religion. And he said, I'm going to send my son to die on a cross of Calvary. He's going to bleed from the top to the bottom. And the blood is going to wash every bit of sin, every ounce of sin, every ounce of addiction, every ounce of abuse, every ounce of tadamana, every ounce of pain. I'm telling you, it is look at our mess and develop hell. He looked at our mess and sent a son to a cross that we might be saved. Take that devil! Can we say, devil, go to hell and stay there where you belong? Is that all right to say that? Might not be proper. I say a lot of things on accident. I said that on purpose. The things I say on accident is worse than that. Y'all just don't hold it against me. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Yeah, he didn't see our sin and create hell. He saw our sin and he made a tree. He made a tree so that he could say about our sin, as such were. You see the reversal of roles? You see what the devil wants to put in us? Well, I'm bad, so I'm going to hell. No, the roles were reversed. I said the roles were reversed. The roles are reversed here. Amen, listen to this. The roles were reversed. What did David say? David said, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry, but it's a dry land. Now listen to me. Psalm 63, verse 10 says, when people talk against us, he said, they shall fall by the sword and they shall be a portion for foxes. Now listen to this. It was never meant for foxes to eat us. The beast was never caused to eat us. We were caused and give dominion in the very beginning to eat the beast. You talk about a lonely life to die and end up in hell. What is he saying? Hell's going to be like ravenous wolves. And He said their portion in the under earth, their lot is going to be like wolves, like foxes, like ravenous wolves. Have you ever seen a wolf, have you ever seen a fox go after something dead? They're ravenous beasts. Well, the Bible says we were given dominion over them. I want to read something to you. You think I'm playing games about hell. <laughs> Listen to this and see if this is what you want. What a doom. What a doom is that which David pronounces upon those who seek the soul of the righteous to destroy it. Listen to me. I believe God's about to move this church in a dimension Not only is it going to stir the realm of the kingdom of God up, but it's going to stir hell up to no end. But I promise you, you listen to me. Folks that have touched this are about to repent and come. I've been praying for one, and I've seen them pass by this road so many times lately. I said, Lord, I know you're doing something. I know you're doing something. Lord, you keep putting them before me. But it's going to stir up another level. Listen to this. What a doom. All we're doing is looking for water and a dry land. That's all David was doing. He was in the wilderness of Judah. But people began to touch him. And here's what happened to them. What a doom is that which pronounces upon those who seek the soul of the righteous to destroy it, they shall be a portion for foxes. And I'm telling you this morning, if you're here and you're touching everything that I'm saying, I'm telling you this could be you if you don't repent today. God told me to read this passage. I'm fixing to read to you out of a commentary that I found. I did not know how this day would go, but God said there'll be somebody that touches this service. Some of you think I'm just talking. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm telling you, listen to this. God, they shall be a portion for foxes by which jackals are meant, as I suppose, these sinister, guilty, woebegone brutes 
when pressed with hunger, gather in gangs among the graves and yell in rage and fight like fiends over their midnight orgies. But on the battlefield is their great carnival. Oh, let me never even dream that anyone dear to me has fallen by the sword and lies there to be torn and gnawed at and dragged about by these hideous howlers. You ever heard a fox or a coyote in the, in the woods? Woo! Imagine people that touch what God's about to do. Imagine any of us in this service this morning touching what God's doing and what God's saying. And you be given over to the foxes that God said we would have dominion over. But now God's pulled his hand back and said, you wanted to keep touching what I was doing in the earth. You wanted to keep touching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You wanted to keep touching when people were getting free. That's fine. I'm going to turn you over. And I'm going to allow the foxes and the ravenous wolves to have its way with your life. They begin to howl in the middle of the night and they begin to call others and say, look what we found. Look what we found. Remember this person? I can just see the devil's little demon saying, remember? Remember that Sunday morning in that church service? Remember that Sunday morning in that church service and I was sitting there and I was gnawing on their ear? Remember I was gnawing on their ear saying, look at him. Can you believe that preacher would talk about these things that I so like to do? And that little wolf, that little devil's just gnawing little on that ear. Now he's gnawing your soul and body in two. Your flesh. And there's a fox this way. There's a fox this way. There's one on this leg. There's one on this finger. There's one on this ear. And they're just stretching. And they're fighting over it. And they're biting one another over it. Can I tell you that that is a description and a reality of hell? None of us want that, do we? But that's what happened. In Psalm 63, David said, I'm just looking for somewhere to drink. And you want to touch me. I want to meditate on the Lord when I'm in bed. But you want to talk about me. I want to worship God freely and jump and shout and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I want to run and I want to dance and you want to talk about me. That's all I want. Do we want to talk? And the devil said, look at that. And he starts gnawing. I can tell you he's gnawing because one day he wants to gnaw you into. He wants to gnaw you into. Uh, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Brother Ray, for you to sing. The reversal of roles. Do not be deceived. Hell was not created for us. You cannot exchange evil for good and good for evil. It won't happen. You cannot put in your things that you like to do, your pleasurable things, and inherit the kingdom of heaven. You just can't. Say again, be not deceived. You can't do it. 
You can't do it. And so Paul said, such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can I tell you, the woman at the well was no longer the woman at the well ever again. She was known as a woman with a well. She wasn't known as the woman at the well. She was known as a woman with a well. And the well now that sprung up inside of her flowed with living water. Can I tell you, the man that had been in the state for 38 years was no longer known as the man that had been in that state as a paralytic for 38 years. He was not known as that man. He was known as a man that was used of God because Jesus even went as far as to find him in the temple and said, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Our Jesus is a reputation redeemer. Paul was never known again as Saul unless he told people what he was. They never knew it. He never, people never knew. Later on, in the beginning, they said, no, I can't go to him. And I said, I ain't going to him. But there came a day where they just knew Paul as the preacher. They knew Paul that was in prison, but he was going to shake the doorsteps of hell even in prison. They didn't say, oh, I'm afraid of that Saul now. If he's going to kill me now. No. They said, I, if I'm going to go in prison, I'm going with him. <laughs> Not I'm going to prison to stay away from him. If I go to jail, I'm going with him. You ever know somebody that if you get arrested, I want to go with them? Because <laughs> I know they're going to have a good attitude. I might not always have one. <laughs> Amen. Roles were reversed. As such were some of you. I, I wasn't even going to do this, but could I read something that was sent to me this morning without anybody thinking that I'm arrogant? <laughs> I didn't have intentions to do this whatsoever. It came from Pastor Christopher Tundway. And he had that picture of me being arrested. My mugshot from September 2003. And he sent me that. And at 6.38 this morning, he said, Pastor Jared, you have told us stories about your life before you met Christ. But today... 17 years after salvation experience, you have told it in a very dramatic way. The picture of you being committed to jail and the second one of Jesus on the cross and the third one of you now as a pastor made me shed tears of joy. I read your testimony about how you were trying to run away from the law, yet you were really running away from yourself how the Lord gracefully took you and made you a vessel of honor from what the caterpillars had eaten. Pastor, this is the doing of the Lord. <coughs> you have surely blessed us today. I told the church that it is you who God has used to change our lives in ministry.
that God has changed our lives through you. Pastor Jared, thank you for remaining true to the Lord and faithful to his church. I'm going to print this picture and put it on the wall of our house. Always remind us of the goodness of the Lord towards us. He said, Buana Asafiwe. Buana Asafiwe means God bless you. Then he put, The Lord is gracious and he sets the prisoners free. Yesterday, 17 years ago, That was me. A man that deserved hell in the grave to stay in jail still. I deserve it today. But God, but God, and if God can take somebody like me and change one man's life in Africa, one man in Africa, I don't deserve to get that this morning. And I'm telling you, God, I didn't do this alone. I couldn't do it without all of you. I'm telling you, there's no way I would be who I am today without all of you. Monty spoke truth to me just before I walked in here. She said, I don't want to do that. I said, I got to have that. We all do. If we're going to be made the people of God, none of us could do what we got to do. None of us could do what we got to do. They're starting on the septic system tomorrow, but none of us could do that. I can't do that, but God dealt with David to do that. Ryan and Leah do things. I can't can't shepherd a school, but Michaela and Marcus can. I can't spray bugs and talk about Jesus to people, but Luke can. I can't drive a semi and work at the district office, but y'all can. You can do what I can't do. You just have to do what God tells you to do. And I had to do what God tells me to do. And sometimes that's day by day. He didn't tell me 17 years ago, David, that I'd be preaching at Gritney, Florida, at GFCC, and we'd have been fought through hell, and that I'd be preaching on hell, and that you can come out of that. I never would have thought this in a million years. Never. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to read the Bible. I can barely read. But God knows. God knows. The Holy Ghost will do it all if we just let Him. The Holy Ghost will save our marriages, will save our lives, will save our children. He'll save and do it all if we just let Him. If we just let Him. There's people in Africa, from beyond Africa, China. You may be the next missionary to China, Lindsay. You know that? And hell wants to stop you right now. I've told you, I see you at orphanage teaching children. I saw that when you was a little girl down the road. You're going to be a missionary. I know that. You are. You're going to, God, it's going to be totally different than your sister. Totally different. You're not her. And she's not you. Your cost way different than her. And it's going to blow people's minds. 
that's going to frustrate some people too because what's in you, you can do anything. But God's going to ask you to do something for Him. Totally beyond. And it's going to blow people's mind. I promise you. I promise you. I'm lost for words. I don't know what to do. one thing in my spirit and I don't want to do this and I don't want to call anybody out but I just need to obey the Lord if everybody would stand 